Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's good, everybody? It is our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading down to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival. And we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. That's how we own it. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where the, the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. What's going on, my son, Lennon, the general? We out here. What's going on? How you feeling? All is well. All is well. You know, we are uh, turning this episode around quickly. We would have taped uh, last week, um, but we actually were spending the weekend with Sabrina Fulton um, and Tracy Martin and Javaris Fulton, uh, the family of Trayvon Martin. It was 10 years this weekend since Trayvon was killed. You know, and I had no idea that he was killed around his birthday. That somehow escaped me for the last 10 years. It, it, it just occurred to me or I just figured that out this weekend because it was a birthday celebration and also the commemoration of 10 years since um, since he was murdered. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I already I knew from being with Sabrina and Tracy and Javaris for so for these last 10 years. And I'm, you know, as you know, we're very close to them. And, you know, I've worked with Sabrina for a long time. I knew that there was pain. Of course, there's pain. I've watched them go through excruciating pain. But to know that it was also Trayvon's birthday in the same time period just intensifies, you know, even more the struggle that they've been through, that they can't even celebrate his birthday without also having to consider what happened to him, um, you know, th that night. So it's just that made it even worse for me. Yeah, that's, you know, like you said, I didn't even realize that. Actually, I didn't realize that to just now. Like, you know, I, literally when you said that, I'm like, damn, it has been, you know, I was, I was really just focused on the celebration of his birthday and then realizing it's been 10 years since he's been gone also, you know, excuse me, that's like, that has to be traumatic. You know, I seen as we were at the, um, the dinner, you know, seeing them on stage and 
Javaris got a little choked up. Mm -hmm. you know, so, and I watch Sabrina just hold it together. And at times I see her, you know, wiping back tears and holding back tears, you know, and, and just to try to imagine that, you know, mm -hmm. having, you know, having three sons and just, just, I can't even imagine that feeling. Yeah. You know? So I just want to send out my love as always to the, you know, the Martin and the, and the, the Fulton family, you know, and just tell them that we here with you, man. You know, 10 years and they still standing. That was one of the things they still standing. Right. You know, she still is handling herself with such grace and honor. And she's still fighting for justice for her son and still giving refuge to other mothers who've lost their children and giving them strength and lending her strength. You know, I, I just, I have to commend her, man. I just never seen, and also have to commend, you know, Tracy, just him being a father and, and me being a father, knowing how much it hurts is, you know, he was telling a story, you know, about the, you know, days before Trayvon's was born. And it was kind of hilarious just looking at the different personalities and him just giving that story. And just knowing that that was, that was something for him, you know, in the way that he grieves and the way he expresses himself, you know, it's like a, a proud father. Of all the kids, of all the kids, kids. You including about the bars. Yeah. Yep. How, this is, I'm proud of my kids and I'm always there for my kids, you know, and he's one of those, those black men that dispel that, that narrative, you know, about the absentee father and the single mother, even though they're not together, but you can tell that he was very present and prevalent. Oh yeah. In, oh in yeah. Child, so, yeah. Well, you know, and I think, I'm just going to call it out because um, I think it needs to be said that, excuse me, over time, you know, mothers, we always are going to celebrate mothers. And Sabrina works really hard to keep Trayvon's name alive. Tracy has to work. He has, you know, his job. He has his family. He has things that he also has to do every day as a man. Right. And so sometimes he's out of sight because he's at work. He can't travel around the country, speaking different places and showing up for all the mothers. Sabrina shows up for all the mothers all the time. Anyone that every time I'm working with a family and I call Sabrina and ask her, can she come? She shows up all the time and she builds her own relationship with these mothers. We go to her Circle of Mothers event every year where she hosts. Uh, now it's growing beyond 100 mothers around the country who've lost their children either to gun violence, senseless, senseless violence, and uh, certainly police um, trauma. Mm -hmm. And so people are, you know, attracted to Sabrina. I mean, she, she, Sabrina, Sabrina's strong. You know, she is, and, and I guess we keep saying she's strong and she probably feels like she doesn't want to be strong all the time, but she is. And she's really a stalwart in this movement. Um, and so what happens is that Tracy is often sort of missing from the conversation where people will talk about, oh, you know, and, and Sabrina this and the mom and the mom. And I think that Tracy speaking in the way that he did, even though he told the story that Sabrina probably kicked his butt for later, but nonetheless, the fact that he spoke about how much he loved his son, how he kissed his boy, he kisses his boys and encouraging men to be closer to their sons, 
now that he's coming out of his shell and he's speaking, I think that's important because people need to know that while, like you said, they may not have been in the same household, there was a mother and father who deeply loved Trayvon. And in fact, Trayvon was with his father at his father's house at the time that he was murdered. Um, and so you know, I'm, I'm committed to that. I always have had great respect for Tracy, but I think that when we talk about these families and these situations that happen, we cannot forget the fathers. You know, you think about uh, Ahmaud Arbery, while yes, every day, of course, we're going to celebrate and make sure that we uplift Wanda Cooper because that is Ahmad's mom who was there and shepherding him through life. But his father was also in court. He was in court all the time. You know, he was he and he, he wasn't a man of many words, but he did at times say, you know, I want justice for my son. And so, you know, we have to make sure that we we don't uh, erase the narratives or erase the fathers of these folks who have been lost to uh, violence from this situation. Now, there are other stories where fathers weren't present. And then all of a sudden, when there's either money on the table and or fame, they show up. And I think the truth just has to be told. Um, but, but, but how we make sure that we focus our attention on um, the truth of what is good rather than always looking at what is negative, um, I think it is really important. So that's what, for Black History Month, I think we need to highlight Black fathers. Amen. <laughs> I like Black fathers, man. We, we matter. Black fathers matter. Black fathers matter. Shout, um, Shout out to all of the fathers. There's, you know, organizations, there's so many organizations where they have, you know, fathers that are doing big things. Shout out to my brother Marcus, who is part of an organization with fathers, another black father, James Bond, our resident brand expert's husband, James Bond started his organization, Daddis, which focused on black fathers. So just salute to all, all of us black fathers out there that represent properly. Yes, I, you know, the dads, are, it's the dads for me. So let me see what else is going on. There's so much. I wrote a bunch of notes. I mean, I don't think we can um, even go forward in a show without talking about Amir Locke. Um, you know, this is a situation where yet again, no knock warrants have are proven to be extremely dangerous, especially when in the hands of an institution, because policing in America is an institution, but it is an institution that unfortunately acts as terrorists in our communities at times. Um, the way in which no-knock warrants are executed in the Black community is extremely dangerous. And the reason why we want to see the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed is because one of the pieces within the legislative bill is to ban no-knock warrants. So when people argue with us, oh, you know, who cares about voting? Who cares about this administration? Who cares about this, that, and the third? The reason why we're going so hard is because we know that there are pieces of legislation out there that if passed 
Not to say that it will stop them from killing us, but it will at least make it a crime. Right now, it's not even a crime to kick down somebody's door in a state where they can have a firearm, where they actually can have, where it is legal to get a firearm. That actually it's legal in every state to have a firearm, but there are certain states where the protection of your home um, is, you know, be licensed. You don't right. But I think, I think, I think Amir Locke was licensed to carry. I believe he was licensed to carry. Um, if he's not, if he wasn't, I'm sure our, um, our uh, viewers and listeners will correct me, but I believe I heard somewhere that he was licensed to carry. So the reason why we want to get rid of no knock warrants, such as what happened, the work that happened in, um, Kentucky, where our sister Katora Haran um, was instrumental in getting no-knock warrants banned there. The reason why that's important is because ultimately the, the ways in which the laws currently exist, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense, sense for either side. Exactly. It just doesn't benefit either. If you, if you are, if you are an officer and you're doing your job, and you go in there with a no-knock warrant, you put yourself at risk because someone has can legally protect themselves if they don't know who you are. And you run into a home, somebody can legally shoot you because they're trying to protect themselves. It doesn't make sense for the individual who has a gun in their house and they can legally shoot. And then you are a police officer and you walk in and you see the gun and thinking you have to protect yourself, you kill them. So it it it, it pretty much what it does, and abandon no-knock warrants pretty much protects everybody. And it exactly. makes a clear, dis decisive situation. If I if I knock and say, open the door, boom, we are the police, we acknowledge, you acknowledge that the police are at the door, we've given you the amount of time to let us in and we have a warrant for your arrest and we've done all of that. At that point, when the firearm is shown, we've done our due, due diligence. If you still decide that you're gonna shoot at the police, knowing they're the police, then it's on the opposite side. The police shoot you after you say, listen, I got my hands in the air. Yes, I have a firearm, this and that. Then they, they're held liable. It shows clear liability to who and what the situation is. Anything else is too much confusion. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. You have people being shot too quick. First of all, Amir was the wrong person. So that's a whole other set of circumstances that policing is not 100% bulletproof, no pun intended. Already. Right? It's not. Like sometimes you at the wrong address. Sometimes you have the wrong information. That you, when, when there is a margin of error, it can't be coupled with a no-knock warrant. It can't be. You have to get rid of no-knock warrants. So as you said, it is very clear and decisive what happened, why it happened, and who's responsible exactly. if someone dies. And so this is common sense. We're not even talking about some big theoretical bubble that needs to be broke down and it has to be, this is very, very clear. And this is why we fight for things like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is very, very bare minimal, very bare minimal legislation that can help with this. 
And of course, there are cities um, around the country who have started to introduce no-knock warrant bans, but that does not work because what happens is that we're depending on a local government to make those decisions that will be based upon, you know, when, a, when, when one government is in, they may stick with it, then a new government comes in in two years, four years, then they change the rules. That is not what we want. We want federal legislation that across the board would protect someone like Amir Locke. I sat and listened to his family speak today on CNN. They did an interview. These people, it's like, it's like Groundhog Day. It's almost like I'm watching for the last almost 30 years of my life, the same shit. The parents sitting down telling their story. So, you know, God bless it. And uh, Amir Locke, his family and his memory. Um, I, what I, I will say, I bang with the people of Minneapolis because they hit the street. Those people, winter, spring, summer, fall, they are no joke in terms of how they approach getting out there and making sure that uh, their voices are heard. Shout out to our sister, Leslie Redman, who is on the ground. Um, our other sister, Nakima, I mean, they are out there. And again, once again, Minneapolis is showing up. They're showing up for Amir Locke. And, um, you know, we just want to send them our love and make sure they know that the people of all around the country are with them and with Amir Locke's family. Definitely we're with them. And, you know, it's a very, tra very tragic situation, man. And again, we, we just want to make legislation clear so that we can avoid these situations, man. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's so tiring that we keep losing lives the same way. Yeah. And you know, we have a government that for some reason does not want to do the right thing to just save lives and just do the right thing. Like what's so hard about doing the right thing? Well, they want power. And you see when you are, that's what I mean by terrorism, right? There are people who will hear me say that word and they'll be like, oh, you know, how could you say that when, when you know police officers, I know police officers, they're not terrorists. When we think about terrorists, we think about people overseas or people, domestic terrorists that come here. But terrorism, when you just think about what is in that word, has a lot to do with people who want power and they're willing to take it by any means necessary. They don't care who gets hurt in the process. And that's what too many police departments and also people who work within police departments, that's what they fight for. They fight for the right to basically dominate communities and not have checks and balances that will also keep them accountable. Uh, and, 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 and to speak about that, we can go right to the next situation. Tanisha Chappelle, here this young woman is. Now, I'm going to go with their theory. I'm going to go with their theory. And I'm saying this as a, as a, uh, what is the word that I want to use? It is a, it, it's, 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 it's basically, I'm just making sure that people know that I don't know that this theory is correct because Tanisha Chappelle never made it to court to be tried for the crime that they say she committed, right? She was detained in the, the city jail waiting for her to go to court so she would have gone to court and been found guilty of something. And then she would have been probably sent to a state facility or whatever if she was found guilty or maybe released and, you know, and, and have to deal with her situation from in a different perspective. But the story they tell is that she was a shoplifter or that she shoplifted this particular day. 
And now when she left the store, a police officer was chasing her. So now as she's being chased, um, I, I think she went into Indiana or something like that. And they, they, they apprehended her and they arrested her. Okay, fine. Right. So now she's in jail. And again, the terrorism is that even if you are, you are, you could have killed somebody, which is the worst thing you could do. Take someone's life. Right. But if you're in prison, there are still rules that apply to a person needing medical attention, to how the jail should be kept clean, the food being, you know, humane conditions. That is what it is supposed to be. If you watch the footage of what happened to Tanisha Chappelle, there is no way on God's green earth that they can sit back and say they found no wrongdoing and that there would be no charges brought against anybody in that situation. Now, that's just from the first footage that everyone has seen, and we should make sure that um, we play that today. That's the first set of footage. But now we move on to the new footage that has come out that shows her for hours and hours and hours vomiting, begging, begging for help, laying on the ground naked. The inmates, the inmates were calling saying she needs help. Some of them, huh? We don't use inmates, prisoners. The, no, the, the incarcerated individuals, the other incarcerated individuals, you are 100% right. Let me correct that. They were calling, saying she needs help. Now, there were some of them that you could hear that they were down with, with the police, right? In terms of the way that they were speaking of her, they were mocking her. She went through the most horrible situation in over 48 hours. This woman died. Again, people who want their power and dominion over another individual and they and they actually they get off on watching us die and it's so sad it's, it's and it's a two-pronged situation right it's is that and then there's this belief that because you're incarcerated that you're no longer a human right? right that whatever comes with incarceration if you die in jail you shouldn't be attended to you shouldn't get food you should be you should be given the worst possible everything, no matter what it is. And, and this is an ideology that people have that, you know, when you go to jail, if you're incarcerated, that you pretty much have lost your humanity, you know, and, and, and it's so crazy. People see you as not even a person, as something, you know, yeah. and that's what happens, especially in those facilities, you know, those those holding facilities, these are holding facilities. Yeah. Like you said, she she didn't even get her day at court for something for you know a petty crime that she was being locked up for. She she was she was treated like someone who had did the most the, the most worst things in the world, and she wasn't even attended to. And then there are other you know prisoners inside there who who have been dealing with this Stockholm syndrome, and and they've embraced this lifestyle. You know, right. there's certain people who be like, well, you in jail, what you think? You know, and it's like, no, in jail, I think that. I should be able to get medical attention. I think right. I should be able to eat food that's not spoiled. I think I should have officers talk to me like a human being and not like trash. You know? Absolutely. So I'm with you. Um, you know, the, the, there's new footage of uh, Tanisha coming out. And in fact, her family is going to be on our show. Um, and we'll be, you know, talking to them about her. She has a daughter. 
her sister is fighting for her. They're so tired. They're burnt out because it's been going on for a, a while now. And they're just starting to get the type of attention that they deserve. So that's another issue. Um, and then, you know, one, one of the things that I think is sort of like the last thing that I have on my agenda of, of news to share today is, um, and maybe I'll make it my thought of the day. I had a different thought of the day today, and I think we got to talk about it later. The thought of the day that I originally wanted to talk about is asking the question when it's okay to keep your children away from their parent, mother or father, right? I really wanted to get into that in light of what's been happening with Kim and Kanye, right? Which I'm not sure that people are trying to keep him from seeing um, the children, or maybe they are, don't know the facts, but it just brings up in me this idea that at some point people may feel like their child's parent is dealing with a mental health issue. And therefore they feel like they shouldn't have the child around the parent. But then there are people who say, hey, you already knew that. It, and it's always, I remember my mother used to say, doesn't matter if your daddy's on drugs, he could be on the street corner, doesn't matter. I'm gonna always make sure, even if it's just a few minutes, you see your parent. You know, because that's just that that parent needs to or that that child needs to see and understand the truth about their parents and they need to have the influence and the love that it might only be for a second. Right. Especially if there's some positivity there. But I'm going to leave that for an, another later in the conversation or another time. My thought of the day today How do we help people understand how serious things are with what is happening across this country? Because I feel like folks ain't really paying attention. It's like our movement, you know, there's always laws, right? Movements are not going to be all the same way all the time where every day people are in the street and that's not the way movements work. They, they have laws. They have moments that go up and down. And we're in not so much a lull, but we are in a moment where I think folks are so frustrated that they've checked out. And then there's another set of individuals that as long as they got Trump out of office, they've kind of moved on. And so I saw that in Alabama just yesterday, the Supreme Court has allowed Alabama to go forward with redrawing their congressional maps, which will ultimately be a voter suppression method against Black folks in the state of Alabama. So the Supreme Court has agreed that it is okay for them to redraw the maps. And I'm just wondering if maybe people are not hearing about it. Maybe we're not doing good enough of a job telling folks what's happening. But I don't think people know that if they keep doing this around the country, along with the abortion laws and so many other things that's happening in New York, bringing back stop and frisk, we're going to be living. In, I don't even know what kind of country this is going to be. It's already bad, but we're quickly headed towards this country being a place that is unlivable, literally. And I'm, I, I just... I don't know what people are focused on, but sometimes I feel like, wake up, wake up. 
I think I think there's a, I think there's a level of jadedness. I think there's a level of misdirection. Yeah, misinformation. Misinformation. There's so many different elements that we're dealing with, right? We we in a pandemic to where people are so focused on COVID or what it is, what it's not. You know that that has geared, you know, the energy in the mind state away from things. And then there are people who just don't even believe in government, right? I think people have lost faith in the system in general. And people are trying to figure out how do I navigate outside of that and, you know, and do different things because this system right here is just not for me. So it's not really something I want to focus on, right? There are people saying, I'm not voting anyway. So how I care if they suppress my votes, right? And so there's so many different elements that there's not one thing. There's so many different things that's putting us to sleep. People are becoming numb to seeing us get killed, numb to seeing injustice that happened with us. It's just like another another body that's for them. It's another situation. You know, we have an influx and an overflux of violence in our communities right now where people are just killing. So it's so many different things. Like that's why you look at suicide at a high rate. Like every day we're seeing people who we think have beautiful lives, who are, you know, wealthy or well-to-do are just taking their life because there's so much pain and, and trauma that people are dealing with. I, I, I pride myself on my strength, right? I pride myself on, I've been incarcerated, sat in cells for crimes I didn't do. I've been through poverty. I've been through drugs. I've been through just about everything. And I believe that I have a level of resilience and strength that the average person doesn't have. So when I, when I realized that it's times that in these times that I feel overwhelmed, you know, I never think, I've never thought about taking my life. I never thought of, but there are times where I feel overwhelmed. Like it's just so many different elements and things and I don't even know what to attack. I don't know if this one is worth it. I don't know all these things. If I know that I feel like that, I know that the average person is so overwhelmed, right? So that they, they can't even see how to focus on that, right? So it's, I think that's what our job is to do, is to understand that people don't even know how to attack it. They don't, they, they, their immediate issues in their home that they're dealing with at that time, in their mind supersedes those things. Even though we know in the next five to 10 years that those things are gonna come to your house. They're gonna knock on yeah. your door. They're gonna affect your job. They're gonna, everything that you have, you're gonna be like, what? How much we gotta pay? I can't even afford to live here no more. What? You can't do this? That's illegal. And then here we come talking about Alabama voting, this and that. They're like, man, I don't have time for but that. Those things, but those things are going to affect them eventually. Oh, yeah. It's going to affect them oh, so yeah. much that their checks is going to be cut. Yeah. You know, where they where they could go is going to be cut. Travel is going to be cut. The it's, way they all, it's all beta testing, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're passing it here. Then they're going to work on here. I saw that 40 Black Republicans are running for office in different places around the country. And I started saying, okay, so what? Maybe one of these Black Republicans. I started looking in there. Like, what are, what are they? what is their ideology, right? How would they govern? Everything we're for, they're, they're again. Yeah, Not that's, all of that's them. That's the strategy. You, 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 you paint it a certain way. You know, you don't change the ideology. You don't change what you believe. You just Maybe. color it away so they think we have identity politics and we deal with it. But the yeah. difference is that, and you know, and it's not, this is, that's not new because they done that. They did that last cycle, 
right? The difference is, is that white supremacy and racism is so prevalent in America that the white people ain't voting for you over their people. They're just not gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? They'll vote for you over, if, if it's two, if it's a white person running against the black person for the seat, the white person gonna win. They just That's not, right. more, more, like, more often than not, unless, there's a lineage and, and you connected to somebody that's within that space. They just not voting. It's more, it's more Daniel Cameron's. We got to go do our interview because I think our guests have joined. We can talk but about this all day. There'll be more Daniel Cameron's in office around the nation. So listen, it's the love time. Everybody's in love for Valentine's um, Day. And last year, Remy and Papoose were one of the like highest rated episodes that we had. And it's funny, what I appreciate about street politician listeners and viewers is that they really care more so about topics than they do celebrities. We always said, yes, we have celebrity friends. We're going to have them on, but we want to focus on everybody, our regular friends, people, whoever, whoever we have that we know is out there doing good work. And in this particular episode, our people really were struck by Remy and Papoose's story. Of course, they are celebrities. But in addition to that, I think it is the way in which people know Papoose has struggled with and worked with and been there for Remy and vice versa. And so um, people, everybody loved the episode. They watched it. And I think today we want to replay it because when we look at them in many ways, they are sort of like a traditional marriage, traditional relationship, traditional love. And, um, and I love it. I love, I love Remy and Papoose's love. They've been through a lot. So that may not be traditional, but in terms of the, the, the idea of them being married and what they're doing, um, you know, I, I think that most of us, especially us girls who have the dream of what it would look like to be in a strong marriage, they are two individuals that, um, you know, that, that we want to model. And so I think we should go back and, and replay it and, and, and let folks be reminded of this great talk that we had with Remy and Papoose for Valentine's of 2021. Yo, I'm hype. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed down to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and share it with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You will not want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the stories change your perspective connecting changes everything at&t 
got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Black love means so many, so many different things. It takes on so many meanings, but um, it's about, um, first and foremost, I'm going to just say black out all negativity and show love. Mm. Um, they, they write this narrative that we can't have a strong family foundation and that's not really true you know a lot of the pictures that are painted through movies and through music through different things they talk about the hardships of the ghetto but there are also some good times growing up and it, you know being very family orientated and just showing that strong family foundation that unity you know, being loyal to your family and black love, it really does exist. So to me, black love just means loyalty, you know, being faithful and um, showing endless, endless love to your, to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is, is, is a major part of it to me because, you know, it's easy to love somebody and to be there for them and be a part of it when everything is great and everything is fine. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when it comes to, to the black family dynamic, there, there seems to be way more hardships in, in our structure than, than in, other, um, in other households. And we are able to endure that, mm-hmm. whether incarceration, um, death, unemployment, you know, poverty, um, single family homes, all of these things that we've been, has been pretty much thrown at us and we've been born into, and we still here mm. and we manage to, to thrive and, and, and love and be happy and have good times. Like all the stuff we've been through, you would think we, we as a people would just walk around depressed all day. Every That's day. right. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. 
Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm here. What's going on, Queen Queens? Y'all feeling good today? What up, We're amazing. Yes, man. Thank you for coming. You know, Derek has been you know, one of my inspirations, you know, for a while, man. Y'all couple, y'all relationship is dope. You know, it's not traditional, but it's just definitely dope, man. You know, it's definitely not traditional. So we we doing this this um Valentine's Day episode. And we last year we did Remy and Pat Poos was a condition, you know, conventional re- relationship and everybody loves it. But I, I like the y'all dynamic, you know, and I wanted y'all to give us, you know, some ideologies of how y'all move forward, what y'all think of the pros, the cons, the benefits, all the things in your relationship. So, you know, we get everybody gets to see different relationships because we live in an era where it's just so many different types and kinds of relationships. Right. Well, you know, you know, one of the things for me um, is that, you know, I was, first of all, I was watching The Shy um, over the weekend, just trying to catch up. And there's this part where I don't, I forget his name because I don't really know all the characters' names, but it's like he owns the restaurant now. His uncle left him the restaurant and he's married to another young lady. And, you know, he keeps on getting into trouble, cheating here, this happened, he messed around with this girl, this, that, and the third. And so the woman is upset about the situation and how he keeps messing up. And she says to him, so she's talking to a friend. She's telling actually a gay couple that are her friends about the issues with fidelity, infidelity that they're having in their marriage. And the couple says to her, well, the only way we've been able to maintain being together is that we have sort of like an open relationship where we know who the other individuals may be that are, um, you know, being introduced into our life. Mm-hmm. And she she looked at him and she said, she said, oh, is that really like, does that work for you? And he said, yeah. So she decides that she's going to have an open relationship with her husband. And so she says this to him and he's like, really? You know, OK, cool. So they agree that they're going to do this. And then, of course, he at that point starts having sex with another woman and doesn't want to do it. He doesn't feel comfortable because now 
He's like, he just is that you see Chelsea's already laughing because she already know he's 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 all he's uncomfortable. He ain't feeling it. But this is what you wanted the other day when you was out with Trixie behind the scenes. Now that I'm telling you that I'm open to us having this relationship if you don't want it. So I'm trying to figure out because I'm a single woman who's trying to figure out what I'm doing here. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out what happened. You was with it, now you're not. Chelsea looked like she got something to say. <laughs> you know what? Just from experience, I really think it's a psychological thing. I honestly do because I know me and Derek have that same situation. I wouldn't necessarily say we have an open relationship, but I am what you call too cool, so to speak. So I like transparency. I like honesty. I genuinely accept him for who he is. I know he's a man who has, you know, a high sex drive. So it's like, babe, as long as you tell me, let me know what's going on. Like, I'm cool. And I genuinely am attracted to women myself. So, of course, if I, you know, I think she look good, then, you know, we could tag team or do our bro thing and, you know, just let that be another experience that we have to talk about at a later date. But I noticed him, he does the same thing. He's not interested I mean, he has his moments, but it's it's usually when I bring it to the table. He's never had a situation to where it's like, babe, I want to go out. And I'll still tell him, like, babe, you know, if you ever want to, because, like, we're going through a whole IVF journey. And so our sex life's been kind of on the, you know, on the shelf lately. And so <laughs> I be telling him, like, babe, let me know if you ever want me to bring a bitch in and get you right. You know, I got you. You say the word. And it's done. And he's like, I want you. And it's just like, oh. No. Yeah, but from, let me know because from, from a male perspective i think it is psychological uh i think men do have needs that they often step outside of the relationship for but after a while it either it's like it becomes greed and once it gets greed and you can acknowledge that i think you could tailor it way better when you know like all right bro you don't it's not really like it's not like you're lacking something at home you just like the chase you mm -hmm. like the the suspense of doing something you know you ain't got no business doing so for me like <laughs> i'm not yeah it don't interest me like what like i mean we've had two girlfriends well one of them don't count but yeah, so sure. they say one don't count but we've had a real living girlfriend and yeah um i don't know it it wasn't like the sexiness that social media and the world gives wow. it's not really that and i know for me like I've always been vocal that I'm not, I don't even want to make myself emotionally available for another woman. I'm just, to be honest, I, I'm here for the fun. I'll teach them, I'll build with them, I'll invest in them, all that. But I'm not like the way I worked on myself for her, I'm not doing that for nobody else in this lifetime. I just, it took a long time and it, I'm still working on stuff. I go to therapy and all this stuff. I'm not doing that for yeah. another woman. So yeah, like we can have fun, but for me to, me like, being emotionally responsible no so for me it just served me best like to just kind of sit at home and like do my home thing because i'm a busy man anyway and i don't have time to be juggling all those responsibilities personalities and whatnot mm. so okay. based based on what y'all saying it seems like she pretty much invites and you just make get the benefits of the Absolutely. situation that's you know? so like just, just being real because most people look at it opposite she yeah. she introduced that element to our relationship because she likes women and she felt like it would be unfair for her to be able to step out and have a ball with a young lady and i just like got to sit in the other room but yeah bro i i've had my stint with you know threesomes and all that good stuff years ago and it, it's it still didn't excite me back then it was just like oh like this look cool on 
on the internet and what people say, but it really ain't all that. So the emotional side, see, that's where the problem comes in for me. The reason why all of this is even of interest to me is because I have a lot of male friends that I'm around all the time. And they're, and, and the conversation, because that none of them are dating me, they're honest. They're very brutally honest with me. And I'm like, you know, the cool sister. And you laughing, but they tell me everything. And I don't really want to hear it, you know, because it, it, I take it real personal when I hear them saying certain things. But one of the common threads is that a lot of our, a lot of my brothers kind of feel like we as women don't really understand men's needs and why they do things that they do. And then, you know, I'm always on them about the lies. Like, why do you lie? Why do you? And they, and they always say, because we as women, we're not really open to the truth. So as I try to navigate how I'm going to land in a relationship, I'm trying to figure out how do I be my best me to make sure that my husband doesn't feel he has to go out and, you know, lie and sneak and do whatever. But then what if I also don't want to share? So and that's, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm sure big out of answer. I got one too. So I would say from a man's perspective, uh, the biggest thing that made me feel secure with her is we over-communicated like in the very beginning of our relationship. So mm -hmm. like I was able to disclose like this is a real thing, and I I dare anybody to try, but we we came up with a game in Philly one day, and we was like, let's tell each other stuff that we said we were gonna take to the grave, and that was like one of the most biggest build uh trust building conversations I ever had in my life because she disclosed things to me that I know like I know <laughs> she won't tell nobody, I know her character, she wouldn't even want people to know these things, I did too, so that built the trust off top. Like, all right, cool, I got somebody that I can actually like be myself because I feel like most men lie to avoid isolation to avoid ridicule and to avoid disappointing their partner but when you're dealing with somebody who like they're like the biggest mistake I think women make is they project their version of happiness on what a man's happiness should be like it's like he'll say what he wants but then she'll debate it and be like well no nah. instead of just being like oh I respect that that's you that's your thing that's your world let me see if our worlds can intertwine Mm -hmm. Most people want to tell you what your version of happiness should be in their opinion. So I know that's what made me trust her off the rip more than I ever trusted anybody in life, any woman in life, because I was just like, damn, like I really told her something that I know anybody else would have ran from it. Anybody else would have judged or isolated or ridiculed or I'm able to say I'm able to share like my true desires and things that I'm into or things that pique my interest. And like. I remember one thing I shared with her that I like never shared with anybody else in life. And then she took me probably like a couple months later to actually like live out that thing in which I shared. So I knew then like I had somebody that not only would hear me out, but would like hold my hand and be like, we partners in this shit. So if you with, if you in it and that's what you with, I'm with it too. And we are gonna take it head on, so. A lot of people don't walk into their relationships as friends and they don't be their true self. They're not able to have real conversation with their partners like out of fear, you know? So people are mainly first beginning of relationships are dating everybody's representative. You know, Absolutely. people are saying, yo, I want this, I want you, and I just want this and that, and I'm gonna be the best version. I'm trying to be this person you need me to be. And then after a while, you start realizing, well, I don't, that's not really who I am. You know, right. I want you, I'm trying to be that for you, but that's not really who I am. So when you start shedding away those pieces, 
then you start realizing, well, you don't even really like me. You just like what you think I could be or you thought I was, but you don't even really like me. You know, so I'm I'm answering that question. We've even had that phase where we had to like hit reset because we fell so in love with the perfectionist of one another that when Mm. the balls hit, we was like, ah, but then I remember her saying that like, you love the parts of me that like you love, basically like you love the highs, but then I came to the realization, like if I'm rocking with you and we really on some to the end of time shit, I may not love those other parts, but I'm going to learn how to pivot with them. I'm going to learn how to adjust and I'm going to learn how to adjust myself to deal with you when you in your lower extremity and not just love you for the hiring. And one of the things I want to ask you before she go is when people sign on for relationships, they generally got to ask themselves, can you wear 12 different hats? Because people want you to be in a monogamous and a committed relationship but they're really not, they really, they, they really don't even have it in them to evolve or move on the fly because your mind switch or your mood change or you want something new. So I know like for her, like she really, and sometimes it's good and bad, but she really do have like seven personalities. So like some days she gonna be my nurturer. She gonna be in the garden. Other days <laughs> I don't wanna like beat up my employees for me because she like, oh, they tried you, I don't like that. Other days, she coaching me on being a better dad. Other days, it's threesomes. She she used to dance, so she's stripping for me, running around the room dancing. And then some days we just on our old people stuff and we watching we binge watching Ozark and I'm rubbing her belly, you know, in preparation for this baby that's coming. So people really got to ask themselves, when you want somebody to stick with just you, do you even have it in you to adjust to their movements and their pivots throughout life? Because who you were to them in December may not be what they need in February to live their best life and be a great partner. And I think a lot of times it'd be selfish or people be unrealistic. Like, Oh yeah, baby, just, just count on me. I'm everything you need. All right, cool. Uh, I might go through a midlife crisis at 38. Are you willing to take that on and hold my hand through that and adjust to who I need you to be for the age of 38? Go Mm. go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say at the end of the day, it just boils down to being realistic and being willing to accept somebody for who they genuinely are instead of who, who you want, you them, want to them to be. Yeah. Because mm. I feel like a lot of people go in relationships with their own perception of how they want things to be, which is cool, but that's not realistic because you're a human, you're one way, and you're growing. This person that you're going to share your life with is a human. They're their own way, and they're grown as well. We're all humans having a human experience for the first time. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to learn new things about ourselves. We're going to grow. We're going to change. And it's like, if you're not growing or changing with them or willing to accept the fact that they're human, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to grow, they might wake up one day and want something totally different, you're not being realistic and you're doing yourself a disservice. And then it's like, you're trying to force this narrative of, I don't know if it's based off of society or movies or why we create this perfect image of what a relationship should be or like, we come up with like our own perception of like what we want you know and then it's like when this person we put we put and I feel like it's selfish to put our perception of what we want from a relationship on somebody that didn't even know you when you came up with this perception they had a whole plan and ain't even found a partner right we we talk about that we talk about that because um the the guys they keep telling me when I say the guys you know my son and Angelo um, are the two co-founders of Until Freedom. And so the four of us, Linda, uh, who was my Muslim Palestinian sister, um, and all four of us, we travel everywhere together. So we're always talking and our drivers are generally men 
who come from a perspective as well. So we're in the car and we go almost, we're at the point of almost blows, like fighting because I don't want to hear shit. She's married and she's got her perspective. My son is married. He's got his perspective. Andrew, it's just crazy. But they keep telling me that my problem is that I am in love with a fantasy world. And also I have in my mind a thing that I want and I'm looking for a person to fulfill the thing rather than me looking for a person that I actually can fall in love with and figure it out. And I'm like, okay, maybe my parents said, you know, you get first of all, he's got to marry Two, you know, so you need his last name. Also, we supposed to have a white house with a picket fence and I'm supposed to have a dog, two children, a boy and a girl, two cars and our lives, right? Of course we're not, we, there's variations of that. Cause I'm not even that, that's not even who I am. And I'm way cooler than what I'm expl- expressing. But there are, there is a certain construct that I believe is supposed to be my life. And every day that's being like torn, not torn down. I don't want to be negative. You know what I'm saying? I would say this. I don't want to cut you off, but I honestly, I would definitely advise you to be and do all of that for yourself. So even when you do find someone else, if they don't amount to that, it don't even matter because you, you do it for yourself as is. So it's not even like you're going to miss out on that part. You know what I'm saying? And so whenever, whenever you do find your significant other, whatever they bring to the table is completely extra, even down to the way they make you feel to the sex. Like it's, it's all extra because you do it for self as is and you're not putting what you genuinely want in the hands of somebody else which is doing yourself a disservice because it's like if they can't rise to that occasion you're going to be disappointed but if you're doing it for yourself it wouldn't even matter if they rose to that occasion or not because you're already content if that makes sense yeah but so can we talk about honesty for Mm. a minute and that communication process right because i know for me in past relationships when people try to be honest I did get upset about, you know, whatever it is. I'm getting much better in life, beginning to understand truth is truth and you just kind of got to deal with it. But what does that process look like for y'all outside of the game in Philly, but other things like how do you express when you're having urges, right? You know, man, I want to do these things today. Or when you're feeling certain things that need to be communicated and have you, either one of you ever found the other person to not be honest, which has made, you know, the relationship more difficult. Absolutely. Yeah, when we first got together, <laughs> I had a daughter on the way. And he did not tell me. And I did and not was acting like that. he didn't know that. <laughs> oh, I was hot. I didn't disclose that. And like, <laughs> I still didn't like fully give clarity and come clean till last summer so damn near mm-hmm. two years went by like and my daughter was around and all like she had her her mom and i split with my daughter had, i got well i got a bunch of daughters by the way i got five daughters one son but this particular daughter she was she had like she's around and all but i still was just moving like well i ain't know she was pregnant it just happened to happen but i definitely knew because my mom made me aware like mm-hmm. literally as I'm courting her full-blown relationship, because she's from Georgia, I'm convincing her to come to Tampa and come live with me. Like, my mom break the news to me, you know, at the same time. So, yeah, we definitely have had, uh, she's had lies, but it's been, like, white lies. Like, petty. I, I'm going to be real. They're so white, I can't even remember them. I remember one of them, but it was just, like, petty stuff. But I know for me, that was, like, one of the, the most defining lies. And, like, that's why I say a lot of times men lie 
you know, afraid of isolation. Like my son was saying, the fear. So like my whole thing when I when I stumbled across her was like, damn, I really want to be with her. Like I like it was something that drew me to her immediately. And I'm like, damn, I got this whole like of the situation. Yeah, I got this whole world in Tampa, which I did really well with all the other women. Like I I like I don't know if y'all remember um uh and I can't a thing line between love and hate when Martin started breaking up all his women and he was getting slapped and all like I had a whole face like that. Like because I had women all over the nation I would deal with in different states. So I had to tell everybody like, hey, this, that, and the third. But that one detail I left out completely. So yeah, I had to live with that one. And it caught up to me. Well, I just finally like came clean this past summer and was like, so look, this is why I did it, blah, blah, blah. And we went from there. But it definitely had a black cloud over the relationship for a great deal of time because she's not crazy and the baby is walking around the house and I'm just like, Yeah, how did that happen? Lord. Yeah. I think I think it's No, you go, you go. No, I was just gonna say I felt like it was unfair because we were so transparent and I've shared like a situation like that happening before and how I dealt with it and what I thought. And like he saw firsthand how I would move in a situation like that because I've dealt with it before. I didn't, um, I wasn't upset in the previous situation when it happened. I just didn't like the fact that you're forcing me into a situation without giving me a choice to even say like, oh, that happened before me. Like I get that shit happens. Like I'm extremely realistic. So I just felt like it was completely unfair. And like, I have trust issues as is. So him doing that after like, I'm under the impression that we're being completely transparent. We honest. I got a man that tell me everything. And to come to find out like he lying about something that's like completely unfair to even lie about. And it's like, yeah, so it definitely took a toll. But like I said, like you have to, because I'm realistic, I understood the reason why I wasn't even upset as I probably should have been because he lied is because I was realistic and I knew like it happened before me, you know, and I know it's, it looks one way on Instagram. And everybody's like, oh, he had a baby on you. How can we take advice? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, he didn't have a baby on me. That was before we even became a thing. It just, you know, it, it happens like when you having sex, you know, unprotected sex like that, uh, you either gonna catch your STD or you gonna have a baby or you dodge the bullet. You know what I'm saying? And that's right, just, right. that's just what it is. So because I'm realistic and I understand that and it was before we even made anything official, I can't be too upset. Yeah, I'm upset because you felt the need to lie to me about it when we've been so transparent. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that was like- <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I'm upset. Yeah, I'm upset. She said yeah. that about five times. Like, yeah, because, you know, yeah. but I, I think what it is, like when I'm listening to Derek, like men have a fear of disappointment, especially when you when you care about somebody, right? You don't want to disappoint them. And, and our and our innate nature is trying to protect you from shit that can harm you or disappoint you. And we and we don't want to disappoint you. And sometimes when we when we we weak and we do shit that's against us, we think like, damn. Let me just not say this. I'm, I'm, I'm never doing it again. I'm gonna move past this, but I just don't want to. Let me just not say this. And that's a mistake that we make, right? And I think, I think what y'all have established is a level of unconditional love and friendship that supersedes that. I think at some point, when he's seen that at his worst, you know, that he could tell you the shit that was at his worst, and you still embraced him and you still loved him and you didn't make him feel like, damn, I should have never told her because I knew this was going to happen. I knew she was going to act like that. When you gave him that energy to continue to speak to you, then it gives you more. It, it makes you want to be more transparent. It makes you want to communication. I think in relationships, what's lacking 
is that grace, right? It's like when you say, all right, you want the truth and you tell somebody the truth and they react exactly how you thought they was going to react. So that's why you didn't want to tell them in the first place, right? Yeah. When you when, when you hear some, when you see somebody do the opposite of what you thought and they're like, all right, I'm, I'm really not happy with it, but I love you and we're going to move past this and this and that. And you and we moving past that, it's, it's like, you know what? I could tell this person, I could be honest. I want, And I want to be better for this person because I know that they love me in a different manner. It's a level of unconditional love that I think that a lot of traditional relationships don't believe it's, it exists. They believe, nah, I'm not gonna stay if you doing this and that, or not nah, F that and F that. There has to be some level, I think as, as men, I think, and I think Derek would agree, there has to be something that you show me that I need to be better for you. Right, because we we dealing with so many we dealing with so many different women, so many different things, and there has to be some point that you show me that you you trust me, you get over some shit, you ride for me a certain way that I look at you and say, you know what, the way I've been, this woman loves me so much that I have to do better for her. I got to be a better version of me for her because she deserves that. I gotta disagree, bro. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so <laughs> glad you're gonna say because. I, I'm so just much, saying, been, I, I can understand you disagree, but I'm just telling you how men think. Voila, mm. exhibit A of oh, this that we go through, why we, I have to, Chelsea. Well, let her explain why, let her give her explanation. I want to hear you. I know, I am. <laughs> go ahead, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I feel like um, nobody, um, both men or women should be put in a situation to where they have to show you multiple times why you should be honest or why you should be comfortable. I feel like if you're going to be in a relationship or the moment you decide to be with somebody, even though it's hard, because like we all got shit. Like I told you, I have trust issues, right? But I still like went out, went out of my way, stepped beyond my comfort level and was transparent with this man about something that I would have never told nobody else just because I was dead ass serious about being in a relationship with him. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like was it, though. you just answered the question. What I'm not saying what it is that you have to do. I'm not saying that you got to take him cheating with a hundred thousand girls. I'm saying there was something that you did, whatever you told him, the way you was transparent with him that day, it made him feel like, you know what? I know she wouldn't have told nobody else that. I know just the fact that she told me that, I feel that she loved me away. So he went around the world and his tour and said, listen, babe, you know, I ain't going to be able to come back to you. I'm, I'm moving on. And you made him feel like he had to do that. There was something. And then he didn't just do that because you was cute. When you identify somebody who worth it, you're, you're, you're going to play the game totally different. And I know that's, I, I agree, bro. So it, he not necessarily saying like, you got to be a punching bag. He's saying like when it's things about you where somebody can identify like this is a, a worthy situation, they're going to go all out. Because I mean, it's no different than me going to therapy. Like anybody would have, bro, David Banner been telling me to go to therapy since 2017. And I blew him every time like, bro, I'm not going to no fucking therapy. But I got with her and we had no conversation. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy to figure my shit out. So, right. right. No, when you got somebody who worth it, a man going to like... He'll evolve. He's going to butterfly. He's going to turn into a whole new human around here trying to make sure, like, he the best version of himself so he could be, he could be the best version of himself for you as well. And I think because the reason why I, in, in some ways, kind of reject that whole theory, and I know, Chelsea, the same thing that happens for me when I hear them saying it is I saw it come up in you, and you, you pinpointed it correctly. 
we should not have to be a punching bag or have to be hurt in order to prove that we are the right person for someone to love. We should not, it should be the goal of every person in every relationship, the goal, we don't always succeed, to try their best to never hurt someone that you love. Of course you might, but you, you're supposed to be trying that that person doesn't have to experience pain as proof to prove to you that you should do the right thing. And the other thing that you said, Chelsea, that I, I always say, and I think we all agree with this because we've discussed it. Being honest should not be contingent upon whether or not you're going to be mad, sad, or whatever. Being honest is something that should be a part of your moral compass, period. So because regardless of what, we still going to have, we might have that fight tomorrow or we might have it tonight. You can't change how someone else is going to respond. The only thing you can do is control that you did the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I get, and I understand, I understand that we as women and we as people, because, you know, whatever, we as people have to be careful that we don't create a situation where people don't feel comfortable talking to us. That right. I agree with a thousand percent. And but I'm I, done I, that on accident. Yeah. I've done that. Like I literally, yeah. Well, not even that. Just because I, um, I mean, I'm still human. You know, I have my moments where I don't like being told about myself. You know, especially depending on the time. You know, if you get my timing wrong, it's like, hold on, I get defensive, and then it'll come off as like, oh, well, I shouldn't have said anything. And I, we had a conversation. Uh, was it the day before yesterday? It was yesterday, yesterday morning. Um. I was having a conversation with someone and I sent him the screenshot of the message and because I, I genuinely value his opinion. And I asked him, I was like, do you feel like I was wrong? And so he told me how he felt and I disagreed with how he felt because <laughs> he was basically tell- it was true what he said, but I didn't like it at the moment. And I was like, this is where it was something that came over me where the self-awareness was just on a thousand. I was like, I wanted to my first response is to defend what he said. And it's like, that's not fair. You can't ask somebody how they feel or what you think about something. Then when they tell you what you think, you want to defend their thoughts. And it's like, that's that's the issue. Why and the so, hell you even ask? Right. I'm guilty. Exactly. And so I, I peek right then and there what he's always complained to me about, like, he feels comfortable talking to me about things, but he don't feel comfortable talking to me about me because Mm -hmm. I'll get defensive and it's like I want to justify every little thing and I noticed that yesterday I started to do that and I was like no I agree I agree (laughs) and I respect exactly what you're saying so instead of like defending it I was like I totally understand so give me some insight on like how you would move you know what I'm saying or how to like rectify the situation because I do understand his point of view even though that's not what I was doing or that wasn't my intention but that's how it looks and once I took my feelings out of the situation I was able to really see exactly where he was coming from and it was easy for us to have a disagreeing conversation without us bumping heads usually we like because I, I have like this alpha arterior so does he and like we're both like just we can go and it's like we didn't do that we both had a genuine conversation um it was a disagreeing one um but at the end of the day it was it was peace at the end it was still love no weird energy no bad blood no none of that so um it's a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not yeah, it's for a sure. process for sure. Yeah, for sure. We um and because you know, 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like when this stuff, when it's when we accidentally scarred each other, which is going to happen because, like I said, we both have to realize that we're humans having in a human experience for the first time. We're going to accidentally hurt one another. It's, it's no way around that. We be trying to like steer away from the pain but it's inevitable so it's growth you know what I'm saying so it's change a lot of people don't like change but change is inevitable nothing everything is temporary nothing stays the same all the time you understand what I'm saying so like with that being the case change hurts sometimes it's uncomfortable you know what I'm saying we don't like it but once we get through that it's a you know it's a it's a a broader world it's a better version of how we were was before the change so Mm -hmm. to sit there and try to like avoid the pain you're doing yourself a disservice because it's gonna happen what you can do is embrace it learn from it and figure out how to make you a better person so we got to flip to another side of this conversation which is the business aspect like you know having a busy man and all the things and and you know how you how you intertwine with that, Chelsea. But the one thing I want to ask, just flat out, because I think there is a misconception that open, and you said it's not really open, but the fact that you invite other partners, women into your marriage um, and whatever other things you do, does that make it easier? Does that make it perfect? Is it just, you know, everything is perfect now because you, Derek, feel like, okay, you know, she's perfect because I get to have sex with other women from time to time. Or would you say it's still a struggle because some people try to sell you that, oh, all you got to do is give your man some, you know, another woman and then he's good. Oh, no, no, it's it's levels and etiquette to it for sure. Like just some quick ones I throw out there. Anybody that's interested in that type of lifestyle, uh, communicate with those women in the group chat. You feel me? So it's always clarity on the conversation to the best of their ability. I know for me, I always let her lead. So I'm not, she's never going to be put, uh, nine times out of 10, she's never going to be put in an uncomfortable spot because she's going to be the, the, hen- the henchman anyway. I'm just going to sit back. And when she bring it home, then we go, we go, we do what we do. But I would say for me, I'm, it definitely has made it better. And I'm going to say the biggest thing that I take from our experiences with other women is the bonding. Uh, she, she mentioned it when we first got on him, but we like have bro moments. So that's why I say when people say they, they want you to be committed to them, can they really wear those hats? Because like we, we, we be bros sometimes and we function like bros. So we'll go out and we'll like, well, she do it because I've never highlighted a woman in my life, but she'll bag women like bros do. And then mm-hmm. we literally will bring them home and like in the midst of a whole threesome, be looking up at each other laughing and just clowning like bros do when they, when they got them, or, or you know, whatever, whatever. So, for me, um, for me, it's it's the bonding. Like that's my favorite part about it is just the bonding and having those stories and us getting to like pound fist and clown. How we just being honest. Together. Yeah, yeah. How we dog somebody. Now it's not perfect though. Like it, it's putting your man in a situation to where he can have another woman does not stop him from lying it does not stop him from feeling like you know he doesn't have to be transparent or you know like that he's gonna just magically have like this emotional intelligence or know when and what or how not or anything so I just want to say um no that's not the answer to a relationship I've, I I genuinely feel like what I've learned everybody has to do their own self-work you know like you can give 
a man and a woman. You can give a woman the moon, the stars, the world, the other world, the universe. If she's not happy within herself or secure within herself, it's never going to be enough. You know, it's still, you're still going to find some shit. So I just feel like um, it's all about self-work at the end of the day. And that's why I was telling you, like, if when you do it for self, do work on self, everything else is extra. So like the, the extra women, when we do, you know, parts, participate in that it's extra it's not like that's the answer to our yeah. relationship as a whole because it's not we've been in a situation where we like I said we've had a girlfriend that shit did not go how we thought it was gonna go it was definitely moments where I was like nigga you got me fucked up what is this you know what I'm saying <laughs> and it's like you know but <laughs> I mean <laughs> we're just gonna be honest like it but like I said it's like a learning curve like we all human we don't know what we doing until we do it and it's like okay yeah now nah, we gotta tweak this a little bit because that ain't it I do like this this is cool this is fun <laughs> but it has balance boundaries limitations you know what I'm saying knowing when you're like at your I don't even know like when you've reached your your limit you know what I'm saying and so you're not going to know that though you're not going to know your boundaries you're not going to know your limits if you haven't done that self-work you know and even if you I don't know it it it, I, like I like I said, I feel like it boils down to self. You have to work on self. I have to work on self. He has to work on self. And like when we're both whole, we meet up and then, you know, it's easier to fight Same. the bullshit together. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Versus me having my bullshit. He having his bullshit. We come together. Now we got bullshit together on top of our personal bullshit. And it's just like shit everywhere. Yeah. Mm-mm. I think I think just listening to you, Chelsea's like, a lot, and not saying all, there are a lot of women that don't put any emphasis on them, right? They, when I have conversations, when a lot of women, they're like, well, men are doing this and y'all need to do this better and now I need to do this. And I'm listening to you. And, and it's so dope because you have your own self-reflection. Like you're not mm-hmm. sitting there just pointing out the things he do wrong. Like you really say, yo, I got my own bullshit. I've been doing this and I needed to do this. And I realized I was wrong. Like you bring it and, and that right there is a communication method that is effective because when people see that you're willing to take on something and be like, okay, you know what? Now, now let me do my self-assessment. Let me see how mm-hmm. I can be show up better because she's willing to do this, you know? So I want to, just commend you on that because I have a lot of conversation with women and mm-hmm. I have been attacked. I've been at tables with four or five women was telling me, don't tell me about me. Don't tell me about what women do. Y'all need to do. And I'd be like, I'm not really telling you about you. I'm just telling you how we receive what you're doing. It's not about you or anything. So I think that you become reception receptive to a message. I think yet the way that y'all communicate is dope because y'all both keep it on eye. Y'all both are, self-reflective and y'all understand that you're all human that everything is a learning process that you don't expect him to be perfect he don't expect you to be perfect y'all y'all understand that y'all both got your own bullshit and y'all figure out how do we meet and how do we grow together you know because as humans we are constantly evolving like the shit that you wanted five years ago you ain't gonna want five years later the shit that you think right now you ain't gonna think tomorrow we we are you know we human beings so People hold you to who you was 10 years ago. Well, you told me this and you were supposed to be there. Well, I didn't even know I was going to think what I'm thinking right now 10 years ago. So how do you think that I'm going to be that same person? So, you know, I, I applaud. You know, I just want to ask this question, though. Business. How do, you, how do y'all work as business? Do you feel like, you know, the way that y'all communicate in your relationship 
helps your business or y'all do y'all do good business together? Do y'all side like yo, I can't do business well, like we're we gonna separate that. Like how do how do you think that works? Uh real quick. So perfect example, this situation right here. Uh I'm pregnant and I'm sleepy and I'm thirsty. <laughs> and he was like, I didn't even know about this interview. Um, and I've been telling him like, babe, I don't like when you told me stuff at the last minute, but like I said, you gotta accept somebody for who they are. He been doing it and I'm going to drive myself crazy. I, I juggle the dude, and I understand that, you know, and I'm going to drive myself crazy by continuing to try to beat something. He said like, babe, stop telling me stuff at the last minute. Anyway. So he tells me he's like, babe, I need a huge favor. We got this interview, blah, blah, blah. When I was just talking about, I'm going to lay down and take me another nap. <laughs> I got girls dressed. They finna go. You know, so it's like, all right, cool. Um, I'm a, you know, we're gonna do this interview, but when I get done, I'm taking my nap. Um, he, we actually have to go some, we have to go to our other house because we're like turning some production studio. That's a whole other thing. But he works over there, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go with you over there. Um, if you need anything from me in between, you know, by the time we get over there, ask me because when I get there, I'm going to sleep and I want my sleep until you know the girls get home and that's that. So I think we juggle it pretty well for the most part. I'm the type of person, it's easy for me to like roll with the punches. Um, and I feel like he, um, you know, he he be throwing them punches. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff happening all the time. But you feel like, do you feel, Derek, like a helpmate is important in order for you to be, do you feel like you could do it just by yourself? You know, a lot of men, they do their work and then they go home. But yeah. it seems like you have your home intertwined. Yeah, I, I mean, I I did it by, I've been on since 2012. I did it by myself for like seven years. But I will say having a helpmate is an absolute additive. Uh, the way I conduct business has evolved. The amount of money I make has evolved. Even the way that I view money has evolved. Like I'm actually in the process right now of putting all my businesses on autopilot. And as of April 15th, uh, we're going on like a nomadic journey where I bought an RV so we're just going to travel for the duration of her pregnancy and really just like, because we're big on like living off the land. We grow a lot of fruits, veggies, but I really want to do it on another level. So like having that helpmate helped me to go from, I remember like my best money business prior to her was like 290K in a month. She came around, best money business went up to like, and shout out to Tip too for putting me on a uh, expedition podcast. That definitely changed my career, but I went from 290 something to 1.625 in a month. Then I just kept evolving, whether it be fatherhood, business, blah, blah, blah. Then I even evolved to the place current day where it's like money isn't my priority anymore. Being a good dad, being a better partner, blah, blah, blah is my priority. So absolutely having a helpmate, have, having, a, having that extra set of eyes when you're moving around, uh, having a woman's intuition when you're grinding and handling business is absolutely helpful. Because for me, like, I focus on big fish and big game when I'm doing business. So I miss a lot of the small things because I'm I'm trying to see like how we get that bag or how we get that house or how we get that building, how we launch this and launch that. And then two, we practice inclusion. So I'm really big from her down to my children. I try to keep them in the loop business-wise on every scale. I'm very, very much aware that like everybody life has an expiration date. And the last thing I want to do is just like leave them a bunch of businesses to inherit with money, but they have no idea on financial literacy, how to run a business, the ins and outs, chain of command, this, that, and the third. So for me, like I love my wins, my lessons, uh, the acquisitions, the down months, the good months. I love to have a family front and center. And I'm family oriented anyway. Like my payroll is predominantly family. And the only people you'll ever see me with is my children or her seldom 
it'd be another adult in my frame. But inclusion to me is the biggest thing. Finding the gifts, talents, and purpose within your family and then monetizing them so we can have like a family full of people who get money, not just a mm. family relying on this one individual that get us some money. Mm. Wow. It's and it's hard because I feel I guess, you know, when you talk about all the relationship stuff and how people are feeling emotionally. And then it comes time to do business together. Sometimes if you don't have emotional intelligence, Chelsea, you'll be like, I'm not doing shit for your ass today. You know? No, no we've had that where she done be like, fuck that. And I had to pull it to the side and be like, listen, when you do stuff like that, it makes me not feel like I could trust you on business. Like I get it. We could bump heads personally, but the family still has to financially progress and cover ground because America is against us. We can't. We can't allow our internal battles to throw to divert the whole fucking plan. Mm-hmm. And she like took her accountability and was like, you're right. I'm going to start making sure I come through regardless because that is a, and she know like I don't have friends. I don't have a big circle. Like she really the only person I count on and my pops outside of my children. So she know like she play a large role and I, she didn't ask for it, but I have given her a lot of responsibility. Like it's going to be her job. If, if I leave before her, like you got to, divvy out my estate you got to make sure the trust is handled in this manner this and that so yeah it's important to try to get those things but you know the thing is that oftentimes we as women or the person because I've also experienced this being the busier person with more resources I have experienced being in a relationship where a man felt like he was doing it for me this is not for me bruh this is for you, me, our kids, our family legacy or whatever. And people often have in their mind like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not, you're not going to tell me, you know, to do this stuff for you while you also, you know, didn't speak to me well last night or you ain't screwed me in two days or whatever. And I think we have to own the fact that when we're talking about people who are in a relationship with business also, you are equally valuable because this is about your life you're not just working for another individual and people it's hard though because you'd be like you can kiss my ass like I'm not even talking to you so why would I sit down and do whatever else with you so you know emotional intelligence I think is probably key to all relationships but we don't always have it right now that's the fact I, I got a partner who got a business and he going through some things with his partner and she took it upon herself to like smear his name in certain situations and I had me and him was talking I was like bro is she aware that that affects y'all children you can't take y'all disagreement in the bedroom smear his business name in the streets and then be like the babies ain't eating shit you fucking up his name like it's a it's a domino effect so yeah something she's always told me is just like her focus be the bigger picture and I've always been that way too like I have I have a great deal of wisdom and foresight so like while most people gonna have a breakdown that caused them to fall out next month. I'm more so thinking like, above all, we don't want our grandchildren to work for their oppressors. So despite this shit we beefing about right now, like what we gonna do tomorrow to make sure this business is still intact. That's that's, that's a dope perspective. And I say that all the time and and it comes from friendship, right? And I say that all the time. If, when you, when you, when you value somebody and you're your friend, even when you're not on the right page, you don't want to see them lose, right? Right. You're not gonna try to do something to harm them. All right, we not on the right page. But if I got a situation, I know it's going to benefit you. Cool, because you somebody that I care about. You somebody that I understand that you have a level of value and I have a level of value to you, despite our disagreement. I never want to see you at your worst. You know, and I think that's what a lot of relationships lack. People get into relationships without having friendship, without having real unconditional love. 
you know, yeah. and, and, they, and their emotional intelligence starts to supersede their mind. You know, it starts to, the emotions start to supersede <laughs> the intelligence. Mm -hmm. you know I, I, I agree with that. Let me just give you a quick example. I remember, I know the biggest amount of money I've ever given her at one time was 100K. And that 100K was for her to go buy her own plot of land, plots of land during an actual breakup for me and a break. Because like I do want her to win, like whether I'm dead or alive, like I care about her that I still want her to be on her big dog shit, whether she with the next man, woman, whatever. Or even like most recently I had a business that we had joint, but I stepped out of the business and just solely sent it her way so she can like keep the revenue and just, you know, she she wanted to be in a certain position on her own. And I totally respect that. I, I get it. Like I'm a businessman. I understand business. So no, nah, bro, I agree with that. Like down to the mothers of my children. One is on my payroll. One I I I do really well for in terms of like making sure she cool every month. Like she's more than cool. And then the other one, not so much. She she's in a whole relationship and on the other side of the country. We still got a cool relationship. But the point is like whether they with me or not, it's a trickle down effect. I have children with these women. Why the fuck when I want I not want them to ball and live their best life? Because if they depressed or financially oppressed, whatever the case is, my children are gonna feel that. So yeah, bro, I, I agree hundred percent. That's right. Well, listen, I know y'all got a lot to do. You know, this has been a dope interview. You know, it sounds like people can learn a lot from just the way that y'all communicate, the way that y'all identify, the way that y'all self-reflect. You know, and, and, and it's not a conventional relationship, but it's definitely working. It's beneficial, beneficial for y'all financially, mentally, emotionally. You learning about yourself. You got somebody that makes you want to learn more about yourself and, and makes you get in tune with yourself. And I think for me, that's that's what a relationship is, you know. So I just want to commend y'all. Continue, continue to do the great work. Derek, you know, I'm always watching. I'm always here for you. You know, um, just watching you continue to just be one of the dopest business people and the dopest business minds of our era and our culture, man. It's just phenomenal, man. So keep doing it, Chelsea. I remember when Derek brought me to his birthday and the first time I seen you and just watching you move and navigate the room. And, and I was like, he got a marauder, you know what I'm saying? And that was like about five or six years ago. And just to see y'all continue to just grow, man, it's just dope, man. Appreciate Thank that, bro, you. appreciate it. Love to y'all so much. Listen, I could do this all day, but I'm coming to visit. So I could really understand the mechanics of how this thing works because I think I'm definitely not a conventional person. And I and but but you know, but I'm but I'm also I've been I've learned, I've been taught certain things. So I have to figure out how to met how to balance what I've been taught with who I really am and allowing you know, my true self to shine through because maybe that's what has been in the way of me being able to find the person that is for me, my person. So I agree. can I ask one question? Yeah. I got one for you. Um how hard is it to actually figure out who's full of shit and who's not with the position that you're in? Because I'm sure like these well astute men, quote unquote, probably slide in your DM every chance they get. You know what? It's funny. My son and I talk about this all the time. I was just telling him and Angelo the other day, I'm cute. I know I'm cute. And yet and still, it's very rare that men come on to me. Like, you know, to, it's very, very That's what rare. I try to tell her. She's intimidating. I said, like, a lot of the men, it's two reasons. No, no, men no. either intimidated, like intimidated by you 
or they realize you ain't going to bullshit and they can't give you what you want. Right. Right. Yeah, no, they're intimidated. She's not intimidating. They're just intimidated. I do. And I, and sometimes I'd be like, damn. And then like, okay, if I post a picture, I posted a picture this weekend and, you know, and my, and my breasts are out, you know, cause I'm like, I'm all the way sexy. I'm not letting anybody tell me that at 41 years old, that I have to cover up or live my life a certain type of way to please them. Because I know that I'm only going to be 41 at one time. And after, and I'm never going to be able to go back and get my sexy back and, 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 you know, feel the way that I feel about myself in this moment. I'm actually at the sexiest point that I've ever been at in my life, because it's not just on outside I feel it shining from within you know what I'm saying and so I had my breast out and then all of a sudden you know you start getting text messages from people who are contacting you about business or other things but you know like you didn't call me last week so I get what's happening which means that it's 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 sexual and I'm not interested in that so I'm trying I'm like I'm trying to figure out where that's what we trying to say that's what they know they know you're not really interested in that every now and then they're gonna try their hand, and then when they don't get the response back, they're like, "Oh yeah, she ain't really interested in that. You're not with I it. can't really so play with her." I know I gotta go out, not so much find my man, but I have to make sure people know I'm available. And because I have trust issues, because I have other things going on, I'm a, I am, I'm anti getting hurt. Like I don't want to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? And right now I'm peaceful. I wake up in the morning. I ain't worrying about whether or not I'm up with a call back, didn't call, text, this, that. I ain't worrying about if he's saying he's coming, if he ain't saying he's coming. I wake up and I'm good all day. I'm traveling. I'm not, I can go by myself. And I know that once I let go and become more vulnerable, then I got to deal with all the shit. That goes along with that. No, I just want to say, I want you, when you do attract your man, I want you to keep that same mentality, that same aura, that same, I don't care. I'm not going to be worried. Keep that peace. I'm not mm. going to be worried if you call me back. It don't even matter. You good. Stay mm. good. Even when you get your man, stay good. Stay at peace. Stay comfortable with self. Don't yeah, lose Chelsea. Chelsea be dropping you. You might be a preacher. Chelsea, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. I will be calling back. So I can go see your house. Forty-one. You look damn good. Thank you. And listen, I just want to close this with one thing that you said, because I hope people did not miss it, Derek. (laughs) If you're going to have multiple women and friends, communicate on the group text. That is the... So everybody is on the same page. He looked like he he found that out the hard way. He found that out the hard way. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 bro. I look, I'm I'm past her, bro. Like I'm the I'm the yeah, she 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 do all oh, she the, the beast. Okay. Yeah, I, I just be sitting in the room waiting for the country to go. I'm chilling. <laughs> Thank y'all. Yo, Much listen, love. Black, black love, man. It, it looks a little different, but it's definitely love, and we appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, all sure. right, appreciate y'all. Thank you. Yeah. All right, y'all. Super, super, super cool. I mean, I yes. love it. since yes, the first shout time. out to Derek, man. Derek, I met Derek about on his 30th birthday, man. Um, Derek flew me out to Atlanta to um, speak at his birthday party. It was me, Derek Banner. That's when I met 19 Keys. I mean, David Banner, I'm sorry. David Banner, 19 Keys. Um, Nipsey Hussle's um, man was there and he, he presented us with awards. He did it big. He came into his birthday on, a, on an elephant. Uh. 
He had a king thing. He had an elephant. And Chelsea was in there navigating. And at that time, you know, I don't know how deep the relationship was, but his other baby mothers was there and everybody was just moving in a unit. Wallow was there. Me and Wallow was like, yo, this dude, I don't know what he's doing, but he working. You know what I'm saying? And, and he's been always, if you, if you look up Derek Grace, man, he's a serial entrepreneur. You know, he, and he empowers his kids. I met, the first time I seen him, he had his daughter loading a gun, blindfolded, mm. loading it, telling you what, what bullet it was, how, putting it in, what, what's the name of the bullet, what's the name of the gun? Like, he was educating his kids, and he's, he basically broke down. And his, I remember his theme was, I look like everything they taught you was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, everything they told you about me, I had a gun, I got tattoos on my face, I got dreads, I got big jewelry on, but I'm one of the most educated. And he was educating you and he was telling you about wealth and he was telling you all these different things, you know, and he continued to just continue to evolve. So just watching them evolve together and just being able to talk to him, somebody that I can call whenever I need advice or information is just dope, man. So shout out to him and her. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate, you know, we may not, no, no relationship is going to look 100% the same. So there may be things that they've said that I'm like, okay, that's 100% something I agree with. And there are other things that maybe not. And I'm sure it would be vice versa if we had the time to examine all of our personal lives. But what I will say is I appreciate that they're willing to be honest before the world about the ups, downs, and the in-betweens. Because there is a fetish, if you will, that I think people are dealing with right now with this idea that just because we have either polyamorous relationship and or open marriage or open relationship, that that's going to get rid of all the ills and the problems. And now everybody's going to be on the same page. But they t- they talked a lot about the honesty that that takes, the, the commitment that it takes, the work that they are putting in to make their relationship, uh, you know, go. And I think those things are, are just so important. So I feel like I learned And I also experienced them through Chelsea versus through him. Um, I like, I think, I think one of the things that probably works for them is his mindset that he is being more of the cool one, right? And, you know, and and, then that puts not so much pressure, but the responsibility, she know what her man likes, she knows what he wants, and the responsibility is therefore on her, but in some, in a lot of ways, but I'm sure that she feels comfortable doing the different things, whatever it is, working in the business, taking care of him, um, the women, whatever it is that, that they do to make it work. She feels comfortable because she feels like she can trust him. At the point that that trust breaks down, it stops people from functioning in their best self. So I am, you know, and, and that doesn't mean it's perfect because like they said, we, ex- we accidentally hurt one another all the time. That's just the way life goes. So I think I learned, I feel like it's people are going to be really, you know, tomorrow when folks get to actually hear this episode, um, they're going to be enlightened and probably want to know more from Miss Chelsea about how she's making the great Derek a great man. That's right, man. So, and that brings me to my, I don't get it. You know, we, we talk about relationships, and you know, and, and you you pretty much touched on it a little bit, so I didn't really bring it in. We was talking about Kanye and Kim. Mm-hmm. And I, I and, and you know, and Derek and um and Chelsea said something that that pretty much touched on it. You know, 
when we do these things publicly and you try to defame, it hurts your children. Mm. You know, it like you you hurt your children, right? And and I don't know who's at fault. You know, I don't know who's at fault, but I I, I want to know. I don't get why people think disrespecting, talking bad about someone that you once said that you had love for, someone that you would embrace with publicly is even acceptable. I don't even know why you would want to do that. You know, I, I watch men a lot of times or women who, who feel like they're scorned publicly come out and say negative things that your children got to see. You know what I'm saying? I watch Kanye say things about Kim publicly that the children have to see. And there was a dispute that they was having about her being on TikTok or whatever, and he had an issue with it. And, you know, and I'm not like the biggest Kim Kardashian. I'm not the biggest Kardashian fan. You know, I, there's a lot of things that I can say that I, I take issue with the way they've conducted themselves and, you know, just the way that they've, you know, done with the culture, a lot of different things. And there's good things they've done. But when she responded, you know, and, and said, you know, things that you said about me publicly and the way that you you do humiliate me publicly is doing way more harm than any TikTok could do. And and, and that was real for me, you know? And, and so I, I just don't get why as adults, you know, we, we utilize these platforms and we utilize our voices to try to dismantle, discredit, defame and break down people that we once lived our lives for, mm -hmm. you know? And I just don't get that. I think for me, if there's a moral thing for me, there's a moral compass that I have that I don't care how much we beef. If I once, if you were somebody that I loved and I called a friend and, and I embraced and you was in my house and you know my mother and, and I, I slept, whatever it is, I don't want to harm you in front of publicly. We beefing behind. I don't want to publicly, I don't understand how people get to that level. I just don't get. Well, I, I, I think that there are levels to the situation. Number one, just because something that you've done isn't in front of the world, that does not mean that it does not hurt another individual, right? So mm -hmm. it might be private pain, but it hurts just as bad. And sometimes people feel their only power is in being able to tell the world what you're doing to them. So I think in Kanye's situation, while you know I am not a Kardashian fan, I, I, you know, I think I do appreciate what Kim's been trying to do and I support it 100%. I don't give a shit if you got 50 people working on a case. If she's able to come in and help to bring it to that final stage, that's her job. You a closer, do that job. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all for that, but I still feel she has a responsibility to acknowledge those who were involved before she got there and make sure that they are a part of the process. So I say that. But I, I understand, though, that every single Black man that goes through that Kardashian family, in the end, there is some real significant trauma, significant trauma. And the man does not, they always come out super scathed, right? That's, that's, that's on the exterior. Now, we can't, you know, you start going down the list looking at Chloe and how she has tried her best to be with Tristan and he's not, a, a, you, you, one of y'all said, I think it might've been, I don't know, somebody said, this is a young guy who's probably not ready 
for the relationship that is being sort of like he's being pushed into, right? But at the end of the day, the way in which Tristan has conducted himself is not cool. It's not cool. And I don't see Chloe doing anything to try to hurt him. So I'm, I'm saying that there, you know, on one hand, we could feel like all the black men are scathed. But on the other hand, we see situations where people are able to walk away. And, and, and I guess I forget the guy's name that was married to Kim or he was with Kim, not, not necessarily. Reggie married. Bush. Reggie Bush. Walk and then away. the other, the other, then it was the other, I forgot the the the, the basketball players to play for the Nets. You right. Know, so I'm just saying it's Humphrey, been a Chris Humphrey. It's been a mixture of things that we have seen. And I think because they're such mega stars, everything plays out publicly. However, Kanye, I don't give a damn what anybody says, you could fight me and I get it. Well, he knows the machine they have and he's got to, what Kanye is doing is wrong to me. It's wrong because at the end of the day, Kanye has as much power and money and resources or whatever as though as that family. And Kim is not seemingly, I don't see where she's doing anything to him that is so publicly awful. I just see a person, a woman who tried her best to be in a relationship with this man that followed him with his dreams, promoted him and was all about him. And then when she decided enough is enough and I'm done, he lost it. He was cool with her when she was crying and chasing behind him when he moved to Wyoming and she couldn't find him and she was stressing. He was cool with all of that. But when she decided that she was done, now all of a sudden, he, she, here she is a public spectacle. And I also can see how, which, which at the end of the day, I don't agree with keeping people's kids away from them because you mad at them. Doesn't matter. You cannot do that. All, everybody... You have a kid with somebody, no matter what it is that they're doing, unless they are harm, harming the child, like physically harming the child or doing something that you definitely, absolutely 100% don't agree with or don't think is right or healthy for the child. I don't believe that people should be keeping their kids because if the person is crazy, they was crazy when you laid down with them and had a child. So you just, now the kid just got a crazy parent. That's it. You got to let these kids be with their fathers. And there has to be some level of supervision and protection because if, if, if you, if you, my, my baby mother and you was a little crazy and then you start saying and doing shit that makes me feel like my kid is not safe around you. Right. I, I, and I hear what you're saying, but I'm but going I don't to see that. Today. And we don't know because That's I don't what I'm just trying to say. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know about anything, but I'm just, I, I, I'm, and I'm just saying this in full transparency. Right. And in love. Right. I think that there's a level of genius that Kanye has that nobody can even deny. But I do see a level of mental breakdown that he's Absolutely. also having, right? Absolutely. And I think, and I think if, if we able to see that publicly, right? If we just get able to see that through tweets or an occasional um, camera that he's caught on, somebody who's living with him every day is seeing it in a, through a different spectrum. Right, they have to be seeing it more because we, if we, if we able to detect that because he wrote four or five tweets and somebody caught him on the camera, and we like, yo, this thing is is literally breaking down. We have to say that there might be other people who know more that have been with him every day. So I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying we don't know. The only thing, just, the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm just drawing a very hard line 
on us as women, particularly, who use children as the only defense mechanism we have to try to fight back against somebody that is doing us wrong or hurt us or whatever. That's, it's not cool. It's not cool. But to circle back to my original point and your whole thing about the, 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 the public destruction of another person's name and or image or whatever the case may be, I think that Kanye and the way in which he is approaching this situation with Kim is all about narcissism and ego. And oftentimes that is why people run to the public because their ego tells them that because a person either doesn't want them or has turned them down or has harmed them or hurt them, now I need to go make sure that I have people on my bandwagon that's with me about whatever this is. And it's problematic. It's deeply problematic, but I've been there. So I know, I know what it feels like when I wanted to make sure that the world knew, knew that I had been done wrong. And I'm not talking about just in relationships, I'm talking about in general. I wanted people to know that this person that I work with hurt me or this person, I wanted that. And now as I'm now beginning to get old and understanding the world, the thing that I realized is that nobody gives a shit about your issues and what's going all they want is gossip and something that they can use. And in the end, they'll be, they'll toss you to the side. They'll be on to the next person's story. And then you have to pick up the pieces of whatever fallout exists as a result of you bringing your public life, you know, your private life into the world. That's my opinion. And with that said, Ain't nothing else to say, man. You know, <laughs> ain't really much else to say, man. We had a dope show. Shout out to Derek Gray. Shout out to Chelsea, you know, for their perspectives, their honesty, just being open, open and explaining their polyamor polyamorous. I didn't hear them. You know, we never asked them straight up and down if they have a polyamorous relationship. Well, they do. If they say they had a girlfriend, they... they okay, I they, guess. I yeah, guess. A, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them for the, the bring, being open and just giving us a little bit of insight. You know, the the, the pros, the cons, the benefits, yeah. you know, the work that needs to go into it. And it sounds like just pretty much any relationship. You know, there has to be trust, has to be communication, has to be self-reflection, has to be friendship. You know, so thank them for coming on and have a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Love yourself, though. That's what Chelsea said. Chelsea said, pretty much, you got to love yourself. Love yourself. With that said, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika Mallory's not going to always be wrong. We will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. That's how we own it. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work, in traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.